Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippi and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Another primary in the books, Alex, in your home state. And guess what? Trump's got problems, but you know what? I'm really happy about you being here because when I was on CNN this morning, I couldn't pronounce any Washington. Well, you you were right because Waukesha is a critical county in no, no, Wisconsin. No, no, Washtenaw. But anyway, so uh, so I'm glad you're on. So you correct you can correct me when I mispronounce the counties up there. But uh, we'll get into that. And why Joe Biden's big win is barely being talked about. We look over at why no labels is in disarray. Aww. Another n- another notable Republican retirement. And I do some math for you in Michigan, Alex. Where should we get started? Well, I promise I did not make you say the county name in math later, but we'll get there. Okay, so uh, home, state, primary for me in the books. I think a lot to cover, mostly because, again, if you look at the headlines today, you do not see what the reality is. Joe, that's a recurring topic, but what did you see? Uh, Well, look, you know, this is... The first primary where Michigan had an in-person early vote period, and it went really well. Uh, And, you know, between absentee voting and early voting, over a million people um, voted in this thing. Early, just early. Er, Yeah. 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 Without a hitch. Got to give credit to our friend, uh, Michigan Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and all the people that make a successful election happen. Um, but here's the, the fascinating thing about this is, you know, like just, well, maybe I'll save this from when we talk about the Biden numbers. I will. I will. But, you know, the contrast here with Michigan making more early vote options available and Trump continuing to just absolutely destroy what used to be a huge advantage for Republicans, early voting. Remember that that used to be so. We, I mean, I know we've talked about that probably a hundred or so shows ago as we were leading up to the last one. But that used to be such a bigger talking point with Republicans voting early, banking them. Now they're saying don't, don't. Yeah, they're, 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 I saw some something on social a few days ago where uh, they were being admonished. And, <laughs> You know, at a county meeting or something, uh, how many asking how many of you have have voted by mail? And, it, you know, like a good two thirds of the room raised their ha- hands and the speaker said, don't you ever do that again? Yeah. I mean, that's a, anyway. I, I, I am old enough to remember praying we had good weather on Election Day and big turnout because we had to overcome the massive banked early votes by reform- yeah. everywhere. And yeah. it, it's and just it's such us. an interesting self-inflicted wound. But anyway, Joe, get get back to Michigan. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll get to the math later. But it clearly, I think over, overall, you've got stronger President Biden, weaker, weaker Donald Trump. But well, what did you see? Look, they both had problems. I mean, let's you know, you you you, you look at it. And, and uh, uh, look, and, and as I said on CNN this morning, um, as you're listening to this, uh, it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, probably. But as I said on CNN, I'd much rather be Joe Biden than than Trump uh, right now. Uh, when you look at the Michigan results, I mean, Trump's going to be you know 68, 27, something like that over uh, Haley in Michigan when when the votes are all counted. It's another time when he's been eight, 10 points uh, behind what the polls, you know, the polls all had him 80, 20 or something like that. Yeah, more even. Yeah. You know, he's underperformed in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, now Michigan. 
And we've seen it throughout, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, all those voters, a a lot, a huge number of the Nikki Haley voters said uh, that they had no intention of voting for Trump in November. Granted, some of them said they they didn't think they could vote for Biden either. But the one thing they were all, most of them were saying pretty strongly uh, that they're not, uh, that they don't intend to vote for Trump. And when you've got up, you know, near 30 percent in Michigan, you know, you know, literally 32 percent at this point have did not vote for, for Trump. A couple, they had two points of uncommitted, which we'll get into the uncommitted thing in a minute. But that's all. That's all big. Three hundred thousand, over three hundred thousand people in the GOP primary did not vote for. You know, look. Let, let's face it. He's the nominee now. They they know he's the nominee, and literally, you you know, three hundred thousand GOP primary voters said, "No, I'm still going to vote for Nikki Haley or vote uncommitted." They're they're saying we don't want you, and we've seen this message across the board. That's far different than the the 13% that voted in protest uncommitted, uh, not didn't vote for, for Dean Phillips. I mean, they, they weren't looking for an alternative. They were looking to send a message. And right now, that message was loud and clear. And it was at very little, you know, it, there wasn't any chance that by doing that, Joe Biden wouldn't be the nominee or he wouldn't you'd make Trump president or or anything like that. So in a lot of ways, it's far less of a problem. Also, as I said on CNN, you you think that 13 percent, you know, in Dearborn, for instance, where I think it was, uh, you know, 56 percent voted uncommitted and like 40 something voted for Biden. It's 11,000 total votes. Yeah, those voters are important. We're in a state where every mar- bit of margin will matter or could matter. But two things. One is, okay, so Trump, I mean, he's going to go to Dearborn. He's going to do a big rally where he's going to rail on about his Muslim ban and his mass deportations. So vote for me. And that's not going to, I mean, he can't get a single vote there with his positions on anything. I'm not saying they some won't stay home, but he, he can't get those voters. Joe Biden can talk to them. He can acknowledge, as he did, as the uh, senior spokesperson did, that, you know, we share your goal of bringing real and just peace. And that's what Joe Biden's working for, and he will continue to work for. And he and his surrogates continue, can continue to go to those communities, communicate, talk, listen, and and it, you know who you have. You, you, he knows who, where his problem is and and he can address it. Trump can't can't address it. He can't get anything there. That's the Biden side. On the Trump side, you've got everything we're talking about, you know, where Ron Brownstein said Nikki Haley is leaving a trail of breadcrumbs for Joe Biden to recover. So, you know, when you look at it, you know, for example, you look at Michigan, that you know who's turned out where, which counties uh, Nikki Haley's done well in. Your own polling will tell you who those people are. And look, they're not, it's not going to be a hard lesson. Uh, women, suburb, suburbs, 
you, you know, by the way, and, and even on the issue gradient, there are a lot of Republicans who still think, geez, maybe we should be with Ukraine, not Putin. Uh, she's making that, which is a Biden position against Trump as well. So there's all these different things that line up that say the voters, the, the, the breadcrumbs she's leaving are providing a roadmap for how those 300,000 voters that voted against Trump in Michigan are people that Biden can can reach, that his campaign uh, can message. And, and he, he can talk to the people Trump lost. Uh, Trump cannot talk to the people that voted uncommitted in the Biden's on the Democratic side. He can't reach those people. There's not a whole lot he can say. Like I said, they may, st- you know, it's Biden's got to convince them that it's worth voting. But then let's go to your, the county that I cannot say. Washtenaw. <laughs> Washtenaw County. I think this is, this sort of like describes the whole thing here. Because Washtenaw is like University of Michigan, Eastern Michigan University, big college, county, young, and, you know, and I think a lot of the sort of kinds of voters that Trump needs to hold on to, uh, you know, the GOP voters in that county, he needs to hold on to. And, and of course, Biden, with the youth vote, desperately needs to, again, run up the score. So when you look at what happened there, interesting, on the Republican side, Nikki Haley got 45% of the vote in this county against Trump in the GOP primary, 45%. He needs to, that, those, are, those are the kind of voters he's been losing all the way through this primary. And the, by the way, the kind of voters that made it not be a red wave in uh, 2022, and a lot of them probably were part of the coalition that, that helped uh, Biden just get enough of them to rack up that 150,000 uh, vote win in Michigan in 2020. On the other hand, on the you know Democratic side, Biden got over 80 percent there and 17 percent, bigger than the state statewide. Statewide, it was around 13 percent voted uncommitted. But in uh, Washtenaw County, it voted uncommitted 17 percent, so higher, higher than the state. But not 45 percent higher. No, no, not 45. No, but it just it shows you like both. OK, they both got have a problem in Washtenaw County. OK, they both do. Trump's problem is 45 percent of his <laughs> voted against him. And Biden's problem is 17. I'm not saying the 17 is not a problem. OK, I'm just saying that that just shows you the differential here. And again, I think Biden can speak to those voters. He's the Dobbs decision. I mean, there's different re- ways. Uh, these people were all protesting on a, a very important issue, one issue that's very important to them. But there are other issues, and he may make progress on their issues. So, you know, there's a lot, lot of room between now and November. Um, and, you know, and we'll see. That's sort of the whole point. He gets to speak to the 45% that voted for Nikki Haley and the 17% that voted uncommitted. I still don't think Trump can reach either of those groups. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He, by 
his very nature repels those two groups in a way that, yes, some of them may not vote. Uh, some of them may vote for a third party. That's why you and I and a lot of people have been concerned about no labels and the third party, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. and all of them, yeah. The other third party candidates, yeah, all of them. Uh, but, but you know, that's what I'm saying. There, there's problems and we all have to work on them. But I'd much rather be in our position, Joe Biden's position, than in Trump's position in Michigan looking at the results. One more thing on Washington that's kind of interesting, Joe. Um, yeah, Ann Arbor's there. Uh, in Ipsy, there's eastern Michigan. So, yep. so very, very, you know, one of the most liberal strongholds in the state. But the instant you get out of Ann Arbor, it is actually extremely rural. A ton of farming, ton of agriculture gets very conservative very fast. So that breakdown. Support for that trippy show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it, Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. 45% for Haley, even when the Republican base in that county is fairly conservative, should tell you something. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, no, look, I, I, you know how I devour numbers and I go through them and I look at the, you know, before the election, look at the results and what counties to look for and everything. I've never had, as as John Berman said today, Michigan has created a problem for Joe Biden and Joe Trippi because this is one county that I may never learn to pronounce properly. I do want to, before before we get into a little bit of math, I want to point out a couple of things historically on the, on the uncommitted votes, because this is another one where context is really important. It's pretty easy to look at the uncommitted votes and say, holy shit, a hundred and something thousand voted uncommitted. That's a big problem for Biden. It's also super lazy if you, if you think about it historically. Uh, I think a good, a good one, a fellow Wolverine, Matt Dowd. On Twitter, uh, he reminded us today, if you're as disappointed in the coverage of the Michigan Democratic primary as I am, keep this in mind, 11% of voters in the 2012 Democratic primary voted uncommitted. And of course, Obama ended up winning Michigan by 450,000 votes. Uh, uncommitted, as a lot of our friends have, and a lot of our Michigan friends have trying to just desperately remind the national media, uncommitted has a historically, that's where Michigan is. And I think you made this point on CNN too. But generally speaking, somewhere in the 10 to even 20% range is not uncommon for Democrats in Michigan. And, you know, Joe Biden won by 150,000 votes in 2020. Yeah, no, our friend Jeff Timmer reminds us of that. You know, the uncommitted, he knows Michigan backwards and forwards. He said the uncommitted votes in Michigan are usually around 10 to 20%. You know, this was fewer uncommitted votes than, than were cast against uh, Hillary Clinton in 2016. But I think what everybody is missing, you know, first of all, the uncommitted, you know, they basically set the bar at, you know, hey, we, we're just trying to get 10,000 votes. Well, that was kind of, you know, uh, interesting, smart on their part because uh, the press fell for it. 
with, you know, lazily fell for it. Um, look, and I'm not, the one thing I do think is, look, it's important to take these people's, their, their concerns seriously. I think, um, obviously they've got the attention of the Biden, uh, campaign and, uh, and, or, and they're taking it seriously, but the, 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 the way the press handled it in 2012 with Obama, when it was 10% of the vote, it was he, literally 10,000 people voted, uh, voted on uncommitted. So what changed? I mean, look, this was a massive turnout. This was, as we started at the top of the pod, because for the first time people could vote, you know, absentee vote early. And because people fully took advantage of these young people, the college towns, uh, even when they were on break, really voted here. And so because of that, yeah, it's 13%, as Matt Dow says, very close to the 10% or 11% that, that voted uncommitted with Obama. But the number's different. It was 10,000 back then. Most people weren't voting. This time it's 100,000, 13%. But it's not apples and apples here. What's going on is there's a massive turnout. And if you think about that, yes, uh, you know, 100,000 people came out. Uh, to vote uncommitted. What's lost in all this is the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who came out and voted for Joe Biden. Uh, in other words, had they not, in other words, had they just been the usual, oh, he's an incumbent, he's not in any trouble, I don't really care, I'm not interested. You could have had like a you know couple hundred regular Democrats or whatever, you know, vote and the uncommitted group is on fire and it isn't 83 or 13. It's it's, um, you know, 45, 30 or something. No, what what this says, it just shows you how energized even that those uncommitted young people who voted uncommitted, they voted. I don't think that's necessarily good news for Trump. I don't think they're going to stay home. Like I said, they, I don't think they'll vote for Trump. Biden still has work to do. But, he'll, you know, we and that campaign and others will do it to reach those people and convince them uh, that it's worth voting for, for Biden. But they're coming out. They, they've learned their voice matters. And the, the same uh, with Dearborn and, and all these places. They had an impact. And I don't I think they're going to want to have that impact again. And when it comes down to Trump versus Biden, like I said, some may stay home, but I don't think Trump's getting very many of them. I think the Biden or the third parties. So, Joe, before we move on from Michigan, any data you find interesting from from the results so far? Well, it's just the, the, the math to show you how this how this actually plays out. You know, Joe Biden in, in 20, 21 by three points. You know, and by the way, that's that's a little over 150,000 votes. So you look at the 100,000 voters uh, who voted uncommitted in Michigan in the, you know, in this primary. Well, I mean, first of all, you could just basically say, okay, all 100,000 of them stay home, and decide, you know, we're not doing this. Can't vote for either one. There's no, you know, all that stuff. You, you don't want that. First of all, that's not going to happen um, because, like, you know, even if uh, two thirds of them did that and Biden picked up uh, a third of them, you know, he, he, he'd still be, you know, 
you know, have 80,000 votes uh, lead on uh, on Trump. But, you know, you know, so you then look at, okay, Michigan's Arab American population is less is less than three percent. The population of the state is five point five million. You know, the exit polls in 2020 indicated that about 80 percent of Arab voters in Michigan voted for Biden. Uh, that's about 145,000 votes. So how much is he going to lose? You, you know, right. And your point is he he ain't losing all of them. No, he. that's what I'm saying. You're not you're not like, yeah, is it, that's going to zero. No, that's not going to happen. Well, the the other thing that that this kind of doom and gloom, what about the Arab vote? Is that going to cost in Michigan? OK, in a real tight race. Anything could cost anybody, Michigan. Yeah, sure. But you're also forgetting, right, the the other and I, I, on a more optimistic note, and you mentioned this earlier about some of the college towns in Michigan, uh, you're forgetting like massive gains with youth voters. You're forgetting four years of uh, just a total assault on women's rights from MAGA, right? Like, which is which is why some of those women are voting for Nikki Haley, who are Republican, right. even though she's not. She's it, it's just, it, it, you know they're still like okay in the primary. Uh, you know I'm not happy with any of this stuff, but she's better than him. Uh, when it's him again, I'm not sure they're going back to, to Trump. This is my, my point. I think that's the point you're trying to make, you know, make as well, is we're not going to lose 100 percent of the Arab vote. Uh, we're not it's not Biden's not going to lose it. He, he he yes, some will stay home. Yes, some might vote third party. I don't think any of them, like I said, Trump's going to be running around talking about his Muslim ban, his mass deportations. His, uh, you know, his, you know, building the big, you know, holding centers for the people he wants to process out. You know, I just I just don't think this is a good, good message uh, to try to win these voters over. And I think like it's the same thing with some of the younger voters, the college towns. Uh, I don't think that's going to appeal to them. So in the end, um, I just continue to believe if you look at. Yes. Is this a problem? Yes. Is it the, you know, oh, my gosh, Michigan's, you know, he, he, he can't win Michigan. Give me a break. Like I said, he can talk to these people. He can talk to the to the Nikki Haley voters. And and look, every time we've voters have gone to the polls after Dobbs, women and young people. I mean, the the gender gap is growing you know, in fact, one of the really crazy numbers that's coming out of all these um, GOP primaries is that the party, the people that are showing up are older than they were. The party's gotten older and more white men. It's going in the opposite direction of the rest of the country in terms of the. De- and I'm not talking about the diversity of our demographics. I'm just talking about more women vote than men. They're bleeding women and becoming more and more dependent on on men is crazy um, as a strategy. And then on top of that, you've got this Gen Z, which is going to be, I think, again, they they voted in this primary in these in these areas. They're coming out. Um, And yeah, they, they aren't sitting around on climate change and they're not sitting around on taking their rights away and they're not sitting around on. Yes, they're not sitting around on what's happening in Biden's policy in in the Middle East right now. But that's something he 
needs to address. And by the way, if there is peace, if this thing, you know, is a permanent ceasefire, you know, in exchange for hostages and, it, and there's a, a peace process in play, let me you know, explain one thing to everybody, and I don't care what side you are on, there's no way that happens unless Joe Biden and, and our State Department, our diplomats, have a major uh, role in making that happen. Joe, I know you mentioned no labels earlier. Uh, quite a week they're having. Uh, just quickly, because we're almost out of time here. What on earth is going on over there? Uh, that's a good question. You know, remember how no labels said they were only in it to win it? That's a, that's a direct quote. Yeah. Uh, so Nancy Jacobson in The Atlantic says now, quote, this organization is not in it to win it. This organization is in it to give people a choice. Okay, so which is spoiler? That's spoiler. It's, it's just might as well scream, screw it. It's this organization is not in it to win it. This organization is in it to spoil the election for Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, look, Joe Manchin and Larry Hogan have both publicly turned them down. Yep, Nikki Haley's also said it repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, she said she she said it repeatedly. Dean Phillips is I kind of campaigning for VP on the ticket, uh, which is probably better chance. He might get more than four percent at their convention, um, which is all he's been getting. Well, and their and their quote unquote convention, which is just yeah. going to be like yeah, 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 picked rubber stamp. Their entire goal is if you're not in this to win it, and you can't get enough electoral college votes to actually win the presidency, uh, which they're not going to get a single one, uh, then there's only one thing you can do. You can be on the ballots in places like Arizona and Nevada, get three, four, five percent of the vote. If you get on the ballot in Michigan and get uh, half of these uncommitted voters in our in the Democratic primary, you know, forty thousand of them, let's say a third of them, you'll end up uh, probably uh, uh, delivering those electoral college votes to Trump. You won't get them uh, with five, six percent of the vote. Um, so. You know, it's just incredible. Now they're, it's not clear if they are going to actually have this convention or not. But you're, you're correct. Even if they do with, uh, you know, 800 handpicked spoiler delegates to ratify their decision. I mean, you know, I, I keep saying we should actually run a couple of people for the job um, who will pledge to not run. You know, we, we'd probably have a much better cha chance uh, at, at beating them because they're so lousy at putting, you know, at sticking to any of their plans, but they're, they're very dangerous. And so uh, uh, as this whole discussion about Michigan is, is sort of pointed out, um, it's going to be a, you know, the margin up there is going to matter. It's been close. It will be close. And for any third party to get into this and Basically, like we said, these are voters that they're not going to go to Trump. But if you give them any offer, you know, some of them, have. well, some of them will take the off ramp of not voting, you, you know, which I think is still horrible for democracy. If we lose the state, then, uh, you know, good luck protesting the Trump administration. Uh, you know, democracy is not going to be, uh, uh, in my view, around very long if that happens, particularly. And I think we're going to get to this. 
you know, per- particularly now with Mitch McConnell stepping down. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad you got to the McConnell thing. I I can't help but feel like it's almost like the fall of the Soviet Union in a lot of ways. Yeah, where you, you don't have the big bad on the other side that was actually kind of keeping some of the chaos at bay. It it reminds me and and we have obviously some friends who were former McConnell people and I'm very excited to make that make that comparison to him. I can't wait to watch his head explode. But Joe, it, it what's your what is your reaction to Mitch McConnell stepping down? I, I look, I think it, it it you know, if it wasn't a pur- part of the Trump purge, it might as well be. I mean, they purged everybody out. Everybody. Yeah. And McConnell, look, as dangerous as McConnell has been, you know, the judge, you know, Garland, the whole we can go through all the judges court packing, all that stuff. His departure makes Trump and MAGA even more dangerous than than I could have imagined. I mean, McConnell was one. The House has gone full MAGA. McConnell was one of the few in leadership on the GOP side who was able to try to hold the line on the Senate going there, going full MAGA. And, you know, he's been recently starting to lose that battle. There's nobody who takes that job who's going to be anything other than caving, I mean, really caving to Trump. McConnell at least tried, you know, to broker a compromise here or there, particularly he's one of the few voices, you know, still arguing to to fully fund Ukraine. And, you know, there's, he's one of the reasons there may be actually be a chance that that could happen. But if he's, when he's gone, no way. Are you kidding? The whole place will go uh, off the rails. So you'll have, um, Trump will have, the House will he'll own the House and the Senate GOP. I mean, if that, you know, again, these we're already talking about a House now that for sure won't certify the results uh, of a Biden victory. It, you know, if we're put in the same kind of position we were, uh, it, it, you know, on January 6th. So this is not just McConnell, you know, the history of how long he's been, you know, the longest uh, Longest serving, excuse me, uh, party leader in the Senate in history. That's true. But it's not just that. It's literally the end. Uh, I mean, it's now there, there are no institutional Republicans in leadership left. And with him, whatever, however thin that the guardrails were that he was trying and on occasion to but would immediately you know, you know, uh, he too would, uh, change his tune, uh, at the wrong times. Um, but whatever thin rails they were, they're all gone when he, you know, they're all gone now, uh, probably already before he leaves in November. Well, Joe, on that slightly depressing note, we are out of time. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Alex. Thanks everyone for listening to that trippy show. This podcast will always be free with support from our advertisers. And as part of Resolute Square, check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question and review on iTunes. We'll see you next week.